Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Years, correct? This is the Tom Hartman Program. Good morning, everybody. I'm Jefferson Smith. It is the day of Robert Mueller's testimony. We will be listening to that testimony. I'm Jefferson Smith sitting in for the Tom Hartman program while Tom is away. While other radio stations are covering top 40 songs, various claptrap, while YouTube is covering cats and people kicking off bottle caps, we're covering democracy. We're covering obstruction of justice. We're covering the question of whether accountability for the President of the United States can still exist in our nation. If you have key comments, you can tag me on Twitter at Jefferson D. Smith. You can also tweet at Tom Hartman. You can also communicate with the studio. We'll try to get to some of those comments. Most of the comments we're going to be getting will be from members of Congress and from Robert Mueller himself. Welcome to Mystery Politics Theater 3000, the Robert Mueller Testimony Edition, as truncated as it might be. I'm Jefferson Smith, honored to be with you, and let's get back to the testimony of Robert Mueller and the questioning by the committee right now. There were circumstances where you could have filed charges against other people, mentioned the report, but you declined. Not every prosecutor does that, certainly in a one on a witch hunt. The attacks made against you and your team intensified because your report is damning. And I believe you did uncover substantial evidence of high crimes and misdemeanors. Let me also say something else that you are right about. The only remedy for this situation is for Congress to take action. I yield back. Gentleman yields back. The gentlelady from Pennsylvania. Good morning, Director Mueller. Mueller. Madeline Dean. Ah, got you. Sorry. Thank you. Uh, I wanted to ask you about public confusion connected with Attorney General Barr's release of your report. I will be quoting your March 27th letter. Sir, in that letter and at several other times, did you convey to the Attorney General that the, quote, introductions and executive summaries of our two-volume report accurately summarize this office's work and conclusions, end quote? And I have to... uh say that the letter itself uh, speaks for itself. And those were your words in that letter. Continuing with your letter, you wrote to the Attorney General that, quote, the summary letter, letter that the Department sent to Congress and released to the public late in the afternoon of March 24th did not fully capture the context nature and substance of this office's work and conclusions, end quote. Is that correct? Again, I rely on the uh, letter itself for uh, its terms. Thank you. What was it about the report's context, nature, substance that the Attorney General's letter did not capture? I think we captured that in the uh, March 27th uh, responsive letter. And this is from the 27th letter. 
What were some of the specifics that uh, you thought? I, I, I uh, directed you to the letter itself. Okay. Uh, you finished that letter by saying there is now public confusion about critical aspects as a result of our investigation. Could you tell us specifically some of the public confusion you identified? Not generally. Again, I go back to the letter, and the letter speaks for itself. And could Attorney General Barr have avoided public confusion if he had released your summaries and executive uh, introduction and summaries? And I don't feel comfortable speculating on that. Shifting to May 30th, the Attorney General, in an interview with CBS News, said that you could have reached, quote, you could have reached a decision as to whether it was criminal activity, end quote, on the part of the President. Did the Attorney General or his staff ever tell you that he thought you should make a decision on whether the President engaged in criminal activity? I'm not going to speak to uh, what the uh, uh, Attorney General was thinking or saying. If the Attorney General had directed you or ordered you to make a decision on whether the President engaged in criminal activity, would you have so done? Uh, I can't uh, answer that question in the uh, vacuum. Director Mueller, again, I thank you for being here. I agree with your March 27th letter. There was public confusion, and the President took full advantage of that confusion by falsely claiming your report found no obstruction. Let us be clear, your report did not exonerate the President. Instead, it provided substantial evidence of obstruction of justice, leaving Congress to do its duty. We shall, shall not shrink from that duty. I yield back. The gentlelady yields back. Mr. The Chairman, Mr. Chairman, I have a point of inquiry over on your left. Gentleman will state his point of inquiry. Was the point of this hearing to get Mr. Mueller to recommend impeachment? That is not a fair point of inquiry. The uh, gentlelady from Florida is recognized. Mr. Chairman, wait Director Mueller, Mr. Chairman, to your the point, the gentlelady from so Florida is recognized. For coming here, you're a patriot. Uh, I want to refer you now to Volume Two, Page One Fifty Eight. You wrote that quote: "The president's efforts to influence the investigation were mostly unsuccessful, but that is largely because the persons who surrounded the president declined." to carry out orders or accede to his requests. Is that right? That is accurate, and that is what we found. And you're basically referring to senior advisors who disobeyed the president's orders, like White House uh, counsel Don McGahn, former Trump campaign manager Corey Lewandowski. Is that right? Well, we have not specified uh, the person's mention. Well, in, in page 158, White House counsel Don McGahn, quote, did not tell the acting attorney general that the special counsel must be removed, but was instead prepared to resign over the president's orders. You also explained that an attempt to obstruct justice does not have to succeed to be a crime, right? True. Simply attempting to obstruct justice can be a crime, correct? Yes. So even though the president's aides refused to carry out his orders to interfere with your investigation, that is not a defense to obstruction of justice by this president, is it? I'm not going to speculate. So to reiterate, simply trying to obstruct justice can be a crime, correct? Yes. And you say that the president's efforts to influence the investigation were, quote, mostly unsuccessful. And that's because not David McCarshall all Powell, of his efforts representative from Dade County in right? Miami, uh, Democrat. Into what, I, uh, uh, what we have written in the report. Um, I was going to ask you if you could just tell me which ones you had in mind as successful when you wrote that sentence. I'm, I'm, I'm going to pass on that. Yeah. 
Um, Director Moeller, today we've talked a lot about the separate acts by this president, but you also wrote in your report that, quote, the overall pattern of the president's conduct towards the investigations can shed light on the nature of the president's acts and the inferences can be drawn about his intent, correct? Accurate recitation from the, from and, the uh, report. Right, and, and on page 158 again, I think it's important for everyone to note that the president's conduct had a significant change when he realized that it was, the investigations were um, conducted to investigate his obstruction acts. So in other words, when the American people are deciding whether the president committed obstruction of justice, they need to look at all of the president's conduct and overall pattern of behavior. Is that correct? I don't disagree. Thank you. Dr. Moeller, Director Moeller, doctor also, I'll designate that too. Um, I have certainly made up my mind about whether we, what we have reviewed today meets the elements of obstruction, including whether there was corrupt intent. And what is clear is that anyone else, including some members of Congress, would have been charged with crimes for these acts. We would not have allowed this behavior from any of the previous 44 presidents. We should not allow it now or for the future to protect our democracy. And yes, we will continue to investigate because as you clearly state at the end of your report, no one is above the law. I yield back my time. The gentlelady yields back. The gentlelady from Texas. Al won by 0.9% of the vote in 2018, the first time she had run. She's one quotes, of the swing district Democrats who will be pivotal in any decision, not only any control of Congress, but also any decision for articles of impeachment. You're listening to the Tom Hartman program. More importantly, perhaps today, or more specifically at least, you're listening to Robert Mueller's investigation, his testimony before the House Judiciary Committee. I'm Jefferson Smith sitting in with a little Mystery Politics Theater 3000. We're going to be right back after the break. During the break, be thinking about stuff you want us to make sure we cover when there's a longer break to discuss it. Thanks so much for being with us. I'm Jeff. We'll be back. This is the Tom Hartman Program. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Mueller edition. We'll be right back. Potentially preempt constitutional processes for addressing presidential misconduct, end quote. For the non-lawyers in the room, what did you mean by, quote, potentially preempt constitutional processes? I'm not going to try to explain that. Uh, that actually is coming from page one of volume two. Uh, in the footnote is the, the reference to this. Um, what are those constitutional processes? Uh, I think I heard you mention at least one. Impeachment, correct? I'm not going to comment. Uh, okay. That is one of the constitutional processes listed in the report in the footnote in volume two. Your report documents the many ways the president sought to interfere with your investigation. And you state in your report on page 10, volume 2, that with a, interfering with a congressional inquiry or investigation with corrupt intent can also constitute obstruction of justice. True. Well, the president has told us that he intends to fight all the subpoenas. 
His continued efforts to interfere with investigations of his potential misconduct certainly reinforce the importance of the process the Constitution requires to, quote, formally accuse a sitting president of wrongdoing, as you cited in the report. And, in this, and this hearing has been very helpful to this committee as it exercises its constitutional duty to determine whether to recommend articles of impeachment against the president. I agree with you, Director Mueller, that we all have a vital role in holding this president accountable for his actions. More than that, I believe we in Congress have a duty to demand accountability and safeguard one of our nation's highest principles that no one is above the law. From everything that I have heard you say here today, it's clear that anyone else would have been prosecuted based on the evidence available in your report. It now falls on us to hold President Trump accountable. Thank you for being here. Chairman, I yield back. Verona Escobar also won for the first time in 2018 as a commissioner from El Paso. Just to point of privilege, you and I agree. Very personal privilege. I just want to thank the chairman. We did get in our time after this was first developed. We did both get in time. Our side got our five minutes in. Also, uh, Mr. Mueller, thank you for being here. And I join the chairman and thank you for being here. Thank you. Director Mueller, we thank you for attending today's hearing. Before we conclude, I ask everyone to please remain seated and quiet while the witness exits the room. And without objection, the hearing is now adjourned. All right, folks. The hearing is now adjourned for the Judiciary Committee. What's going to happen now is a little bit of break while Robert Mueller exits that hearing room, enters another hearing room in order to testify before the Intelligence Committee. The Judiciary Committee is a committee that evaluates various questions, including questions like, I don't know, whether or not they're going to file articles of impeachment. The Intelligence Committee is the kind of committee that investigates things like, I don't know, whether or not there was foreign interference in an election. You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. I'm Jefferson Smith sitting in, focusing on the Robert Mueller testimony today, and we'll be right back. You know, Louise and I have started seven companies over the, you know, nearly 50 years we've been together, and... and uh, Four or five of them achieved multimillion-dollar status. They're you know fairly substantial companies that we were able to sell and retire a bunch of times. And I can tell you from my own personal experience that dealing with business software, dealing with business systems, everything from inventory to sales to accounting, if you don't figure out a way to pull this all together in one package so that everything is working together, it can be a real disaster. And that's why. I endorse NetSuite by Oracle. It's the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy-to-use cloud platform, giving you the visibility and control you need to grow your business. With NetSuite, you save time, money, unneeded headaches by managing sales, finance and accounting, orders, and HR all instantly right from your desktop or even from your smartphone. That's why NetSuite is the world's number one cloud business system. And right now, NetSuite is offering you valuable insights with a free guide. Seven key strategies to grow your profits at netsuite.com slash Tom, T-H-O-M. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash T-H-O-M slash Tom to download your free guide, seven key strategies to grow your profits, netsuite.com slash Tom. Howdy, everybody. 
We're back. We are in a break. Robert Mueller has just ended his testimony before the House Judiciary Committee. He is now changing hearing rooms so he can testify before the House Intelligence Committee. The House Judiciary Committee is the committee that evaluates not only uh, questions of a variety of questions before the American judiciary and system of laws, but also and specifically, I know for a lot of listeners to this program, whether or not articles of impeachment will be filed against the President of the United States. The Intelligence Committee investigates a different array of questions and will be more focused upon whether or not and to what degree there was an invasion of an attack on interference with the American election. One thing we have right now is a clip. Now, most of what we know is happening in the testimony, and we knew this was going to happen prior. Robert Mueller has been circumspect in his answers. He has offered truncated answers. He has been very brief. He has said mostly refer to the report. I don't want to comment on matters outside the report. And by the way, if I'm referring to matters inside the report, well, they speak for themselves. That creates almost an iron triangle of trying to get additional information or shed some light on that information. At the very least, it is useful to remind the American people, to get clarified with the American people, people who watch this, more people watching this, and never read the report, about whether or not there was an array of obstruction of justice charges that would have been brought but for Department of Justice policy saying that they won't indict a sitting president of the United States. And by the way, Department of Justice policy is not the same as congressional law. It's not the same as the Constitution. It's not the same as legal principle. It's just the decision by this Department of Justice, this Republican Department of Justice, that they won't indict this sitting president. And the question is whether underlying that, one of the core questions facing the American people is, are there sufficient crimes that have been committed that would have been charged under other circumstances in the absence of that Department of Justice policy, that Attorney General Barr policy, he didn't invent the policy, he is seeing it through, however. And therefore, whether there needs to be some other remedy. The other two remedies are, should this president be indicted after leaving office? And or should this president have to answer to articles of impeachment? Those are the alternative two parts, two pathways towards some degree of accountability. Well, the thing I was going to say that found surprising, but I shouldn't, is the degree to which Republican members of Congress have been attacking Robert Mueller. Lifelong Republican, worked in Republican administrations, received a Bronze Star, has not gone significantly beyond the bounds of his purview to attack this president, hasn't done nearly as much as folks like Sarah Kenzie and others wishes he might to be a Nazi hunter, but nonetheless, and while they have said, oh, there's nothing to see here, somehow they see there's nothing to see here, and yet they also spend almost all of their time and almost all of their questions attacking the investigation. I found that a little bit surprising. I maybe shouldn't. But there's been at least one answer to one question that is pretty darn important that Robert Mueller offered pretty quickly, pretty candidly. And let's play that clip right now. Was there sufficient evidence to convict President Trump or anyone else with obstruction of justice? We did not make that calculation. How could you not have made the calculation because with the regulation? OLC opinion, the OLC opinion, Office of Legal Counsel, indicates that we cannot indict a sitting president. So one of the tools that a prosecutor would use is not there. Uh, could you charge the president with a crime after he left office? Yes. You believe that he committed, you could charge the president of the United States with obstruction of justice after he left office? Yes. But the OLC opinion, opinion says that uh, the prosecutor 
while he cannot bring a charge against a sitting president, nonetheless, he can continue the investigation to see if there are any uh, other uh, persons who might be drawn into the conspiracy. Let's be clear. That is an enormous moment. Because of the, I'd call it maybe legalistic language of the report, because it was in a written report, because Robert Mueller is, while strong-jawed, a pretty soft-spoken person, because of the, I just have to call them lies, of the president and the Republican apparatus, it has been, because there have been so many false tweets that have said no obstruction, no justice, no, no justice, Freudian slip, no obstruction, no collusion, nothing to see or full exoneration, each of those just patently false. It has clouded what Robert Mueller just said. Let's be clear, and we're gonna play that clip again because it is so enormously important. What he just said was, the reason they did not indict, the reason they did not fully evaluate the question of indicting was because of the policy. Not exoneration, but because of the policy. Because this president, under that policy, is for the time being above the law. He also said that there were grounds, that there could be, there was justification for, that it would be allowed to indict the president after he weren't president any longer. That's a big deal. So the question is raised, are those crimes that could be indicted when the president left office, or when he leaves office, that can't be indicted now under this Department of Justice policy, not the law, not the Constitution, just their policy, their choice, their repeated choice, not just choice in this instance, their repeated choice not to indict, but just because of that policy that is blocking the ability to indict the president, once that policy is no longer in place, that he could be and would be indicted, maybe even should be indicted, the question then comes for the Congress, is that the kind of thing that qualifies as high crimes and misdemeanors? We know that that question is foreclosed for Fox News. We know that that question is foreclosed for every member of the Republican Party in Congress. I think every single one. Justin Amash is no longer Republican. I think almost none of them read the report. I haven't heard in question. Lindsey Graham said I didn't read the report repeatedly over and over. Say I didn't read the report. But we know the question is foreclosed for them. The question is not foreclosed for the American people. It's not foreclosed for Congress. And Robert Mueller just gave, despite all of his truncated, circumspect answers, maybe the most important answer he could have given to any question. This is the Tom Hartman Show. I'm Jefferson Smith. We're going to be right back after this break. Thanks for being with us. You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. You're listening to Tom Hartman Show. It is the day of Robert Mueller's testimony. We'll be back with that testimony and some commentary when time permits right after this. We have time for a couple calls. We'll take the person who's been waiting the longest, who is Renee, who is uh, watching us on YouTube from St. Louis, Missouri. Thank you so much, Renee. Okay, 10 seconds real short. Impeach, indict, get rid of him. He's sloppy. Leave Hillary out of it. Okay, we are talking about his crimes. The whole Trump administration, they're just sloppy. And they've got proof. Numerous times, it doesn't take 400 pages, nor 10 indictments, and I still want to know what were the seven other cases that Barr dismissed or threw away. 
Because that is 10 and 7. Isn't that 17 times? I rest my case. Thank you, Renee. We appreciate the call. Let's bring on Peter from Chicago. Wins the Most Hello. Patient Listener Award now. Go ahead, Peter. Hello, Jefferson. How are you? Holding up. Um, I think the Democrats did a disservice to Bob Mueller. He has had a stellar career, and unfortunately, his legacy is going to be stammering, confused, Alzheimer's, unsure. I thought I was listening to Dick Kay the way he was talking. I mean, it was just, it was pathetic. And it's unfortunate that this man who has such an illustrious career has to be dragged up here by the Democrats to go over what's in the report. They would have just read it, and they don't read it, and they just want him to say it, which he's not doing, as you know. So your impression is that the members of the committee, you think it's them that are hurting Mueller's reputation, but the members of the committee, that he was brought before the committee because they didn't read the report? That's, that's your impression? What you're leaving out, Jefferson, is the fact that he was asked directly, as a prosecutor, is it ethical to bring up innuendo about someone unless you can prove beyond a reasonable doubt that they committed the crime? And he said no. What? Peter, I think what you just said is patently inaccurate. The clip we played did not say that. The clip we played, nor are we talking about innuendo. What we're talking about is whether or not the OLC opinion was in fact the reason why there was not a conclusion brought, there was not an indictment brought with respect to obstruction of justice. Is that part lost on you? or No, it's not lost, Jefferson. But what you're missing is when he was asked directly, as a prosecutor, is it ethical for you to make innuendo about a defendant that you cannot prove? But what's the relevance of that, Peter? reasonable doubt. And, and he didn't do it. Why is that relevant? Because the whole obstruction of justice... He wasn't even, I mean, that was clearly laid out that that wasn't even something he needed to go into or... Peter, I got to let you go. What you're saying is outright false, like, like, like totally false. Obstruction of justice is absolutely one of the things he had to go into. One of the things they did go into, one of the things they offered various predicates in the report that he has testified today about some of those. That question, that critical question had nothing to do with innuendo. And I recognize for Trump supporters, this can be uncomfortable. There is so much commitment to the current president by people who voted for him. And I know that every time somebody criticizes him, every time somebody says, no, it was all a Russian plot, they say, well, my vote wasn't a Russian plot. I couldn't manipulate it by anybody. Anytime they say this guy's a racist, they say, well, I'm not a racist. I would not be a racist. And it only digs in their support further. Every time a woman comes out and says, this guy's not only a racist, he's also a rapist. So he says, oh, well, I never would have voted for a rapist. And it digs them in further position. It only increases the commitment of that 35 to 40 plus percent of the population who's committed to this guy. 96% of the Republican Party. I get that dynamic. And I also get, I'm not going to persuade you. But let's at least be committed to facts. Let's at least be committed to accuracy. And if we're committed to facts and accuracy, this wasn't about innuendo. This wasn't about elements that weren't within the purview of the special counsel. Obstruction of justice absolutely was within the purview of this investigation. What has now been made clear is that it wasn't merely some concern with basic legal ethics or some concern with harming someone's name, but the reason there was no indictment brought was because of an OLC opinion that said no indictment against a sitting president, that said the only options for accountability, the only options for accountability are either impeachment or, or I should suggest and, indictment after the president is out of office. That's what's going on. That's the whole thing. And that was clear, I think, to people who read the report.
It was not clear to people who read only Attorney General Barr's cover-up memo. But it's pretty clear to people who read the report, or people who've listened, as I have, to uh, much of or most of or all of Tom Hartman's reading of the Mueller report during breaks, which are available right now on YouTube if you'd like to watch them. What makes clear is that that we can move beyond innuendo. We can move beyond partisan bickering. We can move beyond who we voted for and who we wish were president, who we we wish weren't president. But now we understand that there is sufficient information to indict this guy on obstruction of justice. Let's at least be committed to those facts, not to convict necessarily, that happens after indictment, but to indict. And that's what Articles of Impeachment would do, is give us that opportunity. We'll be back. This is Tom Hartman. Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. This is the Tom Hartman Show. I'm Jefferson Smith. We'll be right back after this. Let's listen to Art from Chicago, Illinois, listening WCPT, Ain't Afraid of Me. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for calling. What's your impression so far, Art? Well, uh, when it comes to the OLC, he's told, Mueller has told Barr repeatedly that the OLC had nothing to do with him not indicting Trump. He's told Barr what? Like you were in the room when he said this? Like, what do we know? We know this because that's what Barr said? Holy cow, have you not been paying attention to all the news media and everything? Barr himself has stood there. And no, no I, recognize, I, I, I recognize that Barr is covering for the president, saying there's nothing to see here, and wrote a memo that had to be corrected by the people who actually did the investigation. That I, I understand Barr's position. Why do you think that Barr's position resolves the question? OLC, yeah. Hang up on me, a piece of Whoa, I hadn't hung up on you. You did curse on the air, and I think we dumped that, but I understand this stuff is angering. Understand, the anger of people who are defending the president is matched multiple-fold by people who are deeply concerned that the overall system of justice is being subverted by this president and by the apparatus defending him. And yeah, that does include people who uh, attack members of the news media, who attack uh, other members of Congress, who do call in angrily to this radio program and curse even though they didn't get hung up on Like, I recognize that. It's, a, it's sort of a dangerous thing. I didn't think there, to be clear, I didn't think there'd be any hot moments this morning. I really didn't. I anticipated and still anticipate, going forward, Robert Mueller answering questions mostly with a shade of one of two answers. Either that's beyond the ambit of the report, and I'm not going to talk about anything beyond the ambit of the report. The other answer would be, oh, well, that's in the report, and I don't need to rehash anything that's in the report. And that that duopoly of responses would block additional information, additional light being shed. The reason we're playing that clip is to make sure I didn't miss something, to make sure I'm not misinterpreting something. Right? This is all happening real time for all of us. But I don't think I'm misinterpreting it. I think what he said, I mean, we can play it again, but I'm pretty sure what he said was that the reason they didn't 
make a determination of whether he could be convicted was because there was no indictment. The reason there was no indictment was because of the OLC opinion. And that there could be an indictment of this president after the president left office. I don't think I'm reading into that. I don't think that's merely my cognitive dissonance kicking in. I don't think that's merely my, uh, the fact that I'm not a big fan of this president kicking in. I think I heard that playing. We'll try to keep it respectful here. We appreciate you listening. I'm honored to be here. My name's Jeff. You're listening to Tom Hartman Show. We'll be right back after this break. You want to have more energy in the day? You want to have more enthusiasm, more, you know, uh, just a kind of a fresher, lighter, brighter attitude? There's something really simple you can do, and that's get better sleep. Optimize your sleep. And the first step, the pod by Eight Sleep. It's the ultimate sleep machine. The pod is the first and only high-tech bed designed to give you, to help you achieve peak mind and body performance. Are you looking to sleep deeper? The pod dynamically adjusts the temperature on each side of the bed so you're comfortable all night. Want to know your sleep intel? The pod tracks your biometrics while you sleep with no need for wearable technology. Want to sleep better? Enjoy personalized fitness program, excuse me, sleep programs and coaching designed by experts guiding you toward true sleep fitness. Because the better you sleep, the better you everything. Try the pod for 100 nights, and if you don't love it, they'll refund your purchase and arrange a free pickup only at 8sleep.com Tom. Already sold out the first two batches. They're going fast for a limited time. You get 150 bucks off your purchase when you go to 8sleep.com slash Tom. That's E-I-G-H-T sleep.com slash T-H-O-M. 8sleep.com slash Tom. Let's go right now. They just started. Adam Schiff is talking. They haven't begun the questioning, but they have introduced the panel. They're introducing right now. This is the House Intelligence Committee testimony of Robert Mueller and the questions thereof. We'll be back. This is Tom's show. I'm Jeff sitting in. Honored to be here. Knew that a foreign power was intervening in our election and welcomed it, built Russian meddling into their strategy, and used it. Disloyalty to country. Those are strong words, but how else are we to describe a presidential campaign which did not inform the authorities of a foreign offer of dirt on their opponent, which did not publicly shun it or turn it away, but which instead invited it, encouraged it, and made full use of it? That disloyalty may not have been criminal, constrained by uncooperative witnesses, the destruction of documents, and the use of encrypted communications your team was not able to establish each of the elements of the crime of conspiracy beyond a reasonable doubt. So not a provable crime in any event. But I think maybe something worse. A crime is the violation of law written by Congress. But disloyalty to country violates the very oath of citizenship. Our devotion to a core principle on which our nation was founded that we the people and not some foreign power that wishes us ill. We decide who governs us. This is also a story about money, about greed and corruption, about the leadership of a campaign willing to compromise the nation's interest, not only to win, but to make money at the same time. About a campaign chairman indebted to pro-Russian interests who tried to use his position 
to clear his debts and make millions, about a national security advisor using his position to make money from still other foreign interests, and about a candidate trying to make more money than all of them put together through a real estate project that to him was worth a fortune, hundreds of millions of dollars, and the realization of a lifelong ambition, a Trump Tower in the heart of Moscow. A candidate who, in fact, viewed his whole campaign as the greatest infomercial in history. Donald Trump and his senior staff were not alone in their desire to use the election to make money. For Russia, too, there was a powerful financial motive. Putin wanted relief from U.S. economic sanctions imposed in the wake of Russia's invasion of Ukraine and over human rights violations. The secret Trump Tower meeting between the Russians and senior campaign officials was about sanctions. The secret conversations between Flynn and the Russian ambassador were about sanctions. Trump and his team wanted more money for themselves, and the Russians wanted more money for themselves and for their oligarchs. But the story doesn't end here either. For your report also tells a story about lies. Lots of lies. Lies about a gleaming... We're going to break. We'll be right back with Mueller's testimony. Almost wish this one would have been before the first one, because remember, this isn't really just about Donald Trump. It's about corruption. It's about subversion of elections. It's about how we protect the sanctity of democracy. We're going to be right back on Tom's show. I'm Jeff. Here you. Thanks so much. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Lies to obstruct an investigation into the most serious attack on our democracy by a foreign power in our history. That is where your report ends, Director Mueller. With a scheme to cover up, obstruct, and deceive every bit as systematic and pervasive as the Russian disinformation campaign itself, but far more pernicious since this rot came from within. Even now, after 448 pages and two volumes, the deception continues. The president and his acolytes say your report found no collusion, though your report explicitly declined to address that question, since collusion can involve both criminal and non-criminal conduct. Your report laid out multiple offers of Russian help to the Trump campaign, the campaign's acceptance of that help, and overt acts in furtherance of Russian help. To most Americans, that is the very definition of collusion, whether it is a crime or not. They say your report found no evidence of obstruction, though you outline numerous actions by the president intended to obstruct the investigation. They say the president has been fully exonerated, though you specifically declare you could not exonerate him. In fact, they say your whole investigation was nothing more than a witch hunt, that the Russians didn't interfere in our election, that it's all a terrible hoax. The real crime, they say, is not that the Russians intervened to help Donald Trump, but that the FBI had the temerity to investigate it when they did. But worst of all, worse than all the lies and the greed is the disloyalty to country. For that, too, continues. When asked if the Russians intervene again, will you take their help, Mr. President? Why not, was the essence of his answer. Everyone does it. 
No, Mr. President, they don't. Not in the America envisioned by Jefferson, Madison, and Hamilton. Not for those who believe in the idea that Lincoln labored until his dying day to preserve the idea animating our great national experiment, so unique then, so precious still, that our government is chosen by our people through our franchise and not by some hostile foreign power. This is what is at stake. Our next election and the one after that for generations to come, our democracy. This is why your work matters, Director Mueller. This is why our investigation matters, to bring these dangers to light. We'll be right back with testimony from Bob Mueller in front of the House Intelligence Committee here on Tom Hartman's show. I'm Jeff Smith, right after this. Is that correct? Could you repeat that question? Your report describes what is called a third avenue of Russian interference, and that's the links and contacts between the Trump campaign and individuals tied to the Russian government. Yes. Let's bring up slide one, which is uh, about George Papadopoulos, and it reads, on May 6, 2016, 10 days after that meeting with Mifsud, much discussed today, Papadopoulos suggested to a representative of a foreign government that the Trump campaign had received indications from the Russian government that it could assist the campaign through the anonymous release of information that would be damaging to Hillary Clinton. And, Director, that's exactly what happened two months later, is it not? Well, I can speak to the excerpt that you have on the screen as being accurate from the report, but not the second half of your question. Well, the, well, the second half, just to refer to page six of the report, is that on July 22nd, through WikiLeaks, thousands of these emails that were, that were stolen by the Russian government appeared, correct? That's on page six of the report. This is the WikiLeaks posting of those emails. I, I can't find it quickly, but I'm, uh, I'm, please continue. Okay. So just to be clear, before the public or the FBI ever knew, the Russians previewed for a Trump campaign official, George Papadopoulos, that they had stolen emails that they could release anonymously to help Donald Trump and hurt Hillary Clinton. Is that correct? I'm not going to speak to, uh, to, to that. Director... Rather than report this contact with Joseph Massoud and the notion that there was dirt that the campaign could use, rather than report that to the FBI that I think most of my constituents would expect an individual to do, Papadopoulos, in fact, lied about his Russian contacts to you. Is that not correct? That's true. <clears throat> we have an election coming up in 2020, Director. If a campaign receives an offer of dirt from a foreign individual or a government, generally speaking, should that campaign report those contacts? Should be. It can be, depending on the circumstances of crime. But, um, I, I will yield back the balance of my time. Mr. Conaway. Thank you. <clears throat> Mr. Baller, did anyone ask you to exclude anything from your report that you felt should have been in the report? I, I, I don't think so. But uh, it was a, it's, it's not a small report. But no one asked you specifically to, to exclude something that you believe should have been in there. That you were, not that I can recall, no. I yield the balance of my time to Mr. Ratcliffe. Thank you. Thank the gentleman for yielding. Good afternoon, Director Muller. 
Uh, in your May 29th press conference, and again in your opening remarks this morning, you made it pretty clear you wanted the special counsel report to speak for itself. Uh, you said at your press conference that uh, that was the office's final position and we will not comment on any other conclusions or hypotheticals about the president. Now, you spent the last few hours of your life um, from Democrats trying to get you to answer all kinds of uh, hypotheticals about the president, and I expect that it may continue for the next few hours of your life. Um, I think you've stayed pretty much true to what your intent and desire uh, was, but I guess regardless of that, the special counsel's office is closed and it has no continuing jurisdiction or authority, so what would be your authority or jurisdiction for adding new conclusions or determinations to the special counsel's written report? As to the latter, uh, I don't uh, know or expect uh, changes in conclusions that we uh, included in our, uh, in our report. So to that point, you addressed one of the issues that, that I needed to, which was from your testimony this morning, which some construed as a change to the written report. You talked about the exchange that you had with Congressman Liu. I wrote it down a little bit different. I want to ask you about it so that the record's perfectly clear. I recorded that he asked you, quote, the reason you did not indict Donald Trump is because of the OLC opinion stating you cannot indict a sitting president, to which you responded, that is correct. That, that response is inconsistent. I think you'll agree with uh, your written report. Uh, I want to be clear that it is not your intent to change your written report. It is your intent to clarify the record to that. Well, as I started uh, today, this afternoon, and uh, added a, a, either a footnote or an endnote, um, uh, what I wanted to clarify is the fact that we did not make any determination uh, with regard to culpability in any way. We did not start that process down, uh, down the road. Terrific. Thank you for clarifying the record. John Ratcliffe from Texas. The stated purpose of your appointment as special counsel Voted was to ensure Heritage a full action and thorough investigation of the, the Russian most conservative government efforts to interfere in, in the 2016 presidential election. As part of that full and thorough investigation, what determination did the special counsel office make about whether the Steele dossier was part of the Russian government efforts to interfere in the 2016 presidential election? Uh, again, when it comes to Mr. Steele, uh, I defer to the Department of Justice. Well, first of all, Director, I, I very much agree with your determination that Russia's efforts were sweeping and systematic. I think it should concern every American. That's why I want to know just how sweeping and systematic those efforts were. I want to find out if Russia interfered with our election by providing false information through sources to Christopher Steele about a Trump conspiracy that you determined didn't exist. Well, I, as again, I'm not going to uh, discuss the issues with regard to uh, Mr. Steele. Uh, the, uh, and in terms of a portrayal of the conspiracies, uh, we returned two indictments in the uh, computer crimes arena, uh, one uh, GRU and another. You know, a lot of people, and I think, you know, some of this comes out of the, the you know, the decriminalization or legalization of uh, medical marijuana and now recreational marijuana. A lot of people are talking about discovering using CBD oil, but it comes from hemp as well as marijuana. And there's a great pro product, uh, CBD oil, a natural CBD oil made by New Leaf Naturals that Louise and I use and love. CBD oil is the non-intoxicating ingredient. 
Uh, it makes, and the fact that it doesn't get you high makes it ideal for people who want, who want the health benefits of cannabinoids without the mind-altering effects of medical marijuana. CBD is non-toxic, has potent pain-relieving and anti-inflammatory properties, and the brand that Louise and I trust the most is New Leaf Naturals. It's spelled N-U Leaf Naturals. New Leaf Naturals is the highest quality CBD oil on the market. It's 100% organic, highly concentrated, contains no additional additives, grown in the United States. The only ingredient is hemp, so the product remains in its most pure and simple form. Go to newleafnaturals.com. That's N-U-Leafnaturals.com. And you can save 30% off and get free shipping in the U.S. when you use the code TOM, spelled T-H-O-M, at N-U-Leafnaturals.com. For premium cannabinoid wellness, there's only one place, newleafnaturals.com. Zach, I'm going to go to you really quick. We've got a caller that has a question that I want to answer when there's just a brief moment. Zach, you've got a few seconds for your question from North Hollywood. Zach, you there? Oh, Zach, got to let you go. A question that looked like he was asked was, why wasn't the Department of Justice uh, policy changed after Nixon? I, I do want to give an answer to that, and then we're going to go back. So why wasn't the Department of Justice policy? Mueller has said the reason they didn't reach a final termination on Donald Trump's guilt and obstruction of justice was because of Department of Justice policy, the OLC memo, that said they can't indict a sitting president. And the question is, why didn't that get changed after Nixon was impeached? I think that there is a somewhat clear answer to that. Because instead what they did was they created the independent counsel statute. The independent counsel statute that was instead used later, of course, to whack Bill Clinton. And then let lapse after that so it's not in place anymore. The idea was that with an independent counsel statute and the tool of impeachment, that could work. In fact, it looked like even without the independent counsel statute that the threat of impeachment could work. Nixon resigned. There is some evidence that, in fact, that mechanism could work. Indeed, it could be argued, and I would argue, that much of the modern right-wing apparatus was built in the wake of that because of that. Much of their criticism of the media was because the media played a meaningful role in marshalling public opinion so that Nixon could be held accountable. And when they said there was a liberal media, one of the things they meant was, well, there's a media that will follow the facts in order to topple Nixon or a president who needs to be held accountable. And so that's why we now have, linked to why we now have, the apparatus of right-wing radio, the apparatus of Fox News, which is clouding the conversation, which means all of this analysis comparing this to Nixon is challenged by the fact that the political dynamics, the media dynamics, are so very different. Well, folks, history happening right now, live. We're bringing it to you live here on the Tom Hartman Program. I'm Jefferson Smith, honored to be with you. Former Republican member of Congress, Bob Ney, joining us now just for a few minutes to give his key takeaways, key impressions. Then we're going to get back very quickly to the live testimony, to the questioning that's happening before the House Judiciary Committee. Bob, thanks for being with us. Well, thank you, Jefferson. Quite fascinating. First of all, I did want to mention that the president is tweeting. So his statement a few days ago that he wasn't really interested is actually not the case, as we knew anyway. I think also that Mueller, right off the bat, has disappointed the Republicans because he's not going to go down into the issue of the Steele dossier and any implications of it. The Republicans, and I 
kind of was, I guess, a little bit surprised at this in, in the beginning. Now I'm not. But anyway, they are taking a very extremely aggressive approach at Mahler in the sense of, you know, uh, yelling or anger or, you know, whatever you want to classify it. And I really didn't anticipate they would, in general, go down that path, frankly. Yeah, a little surprising, uh, given that so much of their posture, that's right. not, well, so much of the president's posture has been to say, oh, it's full exoneration. We just had, I think it was Congressman Ratcliffe saying, oh, well, there's no power to give exoneration. There could be no exoneration, right? It was sort of a weird contradiction. And then the other contradiction being, well, if the report was good for the president, why are they spending so much time undermining the investigation? Well, that's correct. And then, now, the one thing that came, you know, strikingly out, of course, there was the exchange with California Representative Ted Lieu, Democratic member, and Mueller said unequivocally that the reason he didn't not even consider indicting the president was because of the guidance from the Office of the Legal Counsel within the Justice Department as one of the reasons he didn't do that. And then later, when the Schiff hearing started, then he made a, and this was kind of bizarre for me to try to understand, but he, Mueller corrected an earlier answer that I just read to Lou. So he opened up his testimony before Congressman Schiff's committee by correcting the, the remark. But Jefferson here, as you know, how, is how he corrected it. He said, now, before we go to the questions, I want to add one correction to my testimony this morning. I want to go back to one thing that was said this morning by Mr. Lou. You didn't charge the president because of the OLC opinion we just talked about. That's not the correct way to say it. As we say in the report, and as I said in the opening, we did not reach a determination as to whether the president committed a crime. So really, that wasn't much of a correction, really, from what he said to Representative Lou anyway, which indicates, of course, when you listen to it, at least in my opinion, that he couldn't make a charge because he had to follow the OLC guideline, which I think is pretty significant point that the Democratic side will bring forth. I wanted to mention one thing. I think the one thing out of these hearings, you know, people haven't read the Mueller report. I thought it was fascinating, the conversation beginning early in the first hearing of uh, Don McGahn and the President's counsel and calling him at home and telling him to do certain things. I thought that in itself was extremely damaging to the President. And I do want to find that clip another moment. The clarification from Chairman Nadler in the in part one. We're now in part two of the testimony. That was before the Judiciary Committee, now before the Intelligence Committee, when Nadler uh, asked about Trump's being called to testify. The I mean, I'll say a, a, a key point here. If one, one wanted to critique, as I would, uh, one wanted to critique Mueller as Sarah Kenzier has for being an insufficient Nazi hunter. Uh, the determination that Mueller made, that he could not reach a determination, not only that he could not bring in a diet, but could not reach a determination, I think reasonable people could argue, and in fact, I think history will argue, that if accountability is not found for this president, one of the key reasons will be Mueller's decision not to reach a determination and interpreting the OLC opinion as something that would keep mm -hmm. from reaching that determination. Correct. But anyway, any, any closing word? Otherwise, I want to get back. I think uh, this report obviously is quite damaging, and uh, in, in the hearings are very fascinating. I think people will uh, make you know, some general ideas and conclusions off of it. Do you think the Republican Party you served with, do you think your colleagues when you served would have taken the same posture as the uh, Devin Nunes, as the Mitch McConnell Republican Party, as the Donald Trump Republican Party is taking now, going after uh, Robert Mueller? No, I don't think so. I mean, this is a whole new era.
a brand new place. Thank you so much for taking the time, Bob. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Mr. Mueller, as special counsel, did you review Coming back here, you're listening to testimony of Robert Mueller before the House Intelligence Committee. I'm Jeff. This is Tom Hartman Show. Was the Steele dossier one of those documents that was reviewed? And I can't discuss that. Elise Stefanik. I'm just asking a process Republican. question. Have you read the Steele dossier? I probably didn't need to tell you that. Again, I'm not going to Given that, that she's talking about the Steele dossier. You were tasked as special counsel I'm surprised to she hasn't investigate said Benghazi. whether there was collusion between Russia and the Trump campaign associates to interfere with the 2016 election. And the FBI, we know, has relevant documents and information related to the opening of the CI investigation. Were you and your team permitted to access all of those documents? And again, I can't get into uh, that uh, investigative, uh, uh, what, we ca- uh, what we collected and what we're doing with uh, uh, investigation, investigation materials. Let me ask it this way. Was there any limitation in your access to documents related to the counterintelligence uh, That's such a broad question. I have real trouble answering it. Did the special counsel's office undertake any efforts to investigate and verify or disprove allegations contained in the Steele dossier? Again, I can't respond. The reason I'm asking for the American public that is watching, it's, it's apparent that the Steele dossier formed part of the basis to justify the FBI's counterintelligence investigation into Russian interference in the 2016 election, as we know it was used to obtain a FISA warrant on Carter Page. This is why I'm asking these questions. Did your office undertake any efforts to identify Steele's sources or subsources? Again, the same answer. Let's Let's jump in right at the end. I want to play two clips that I think are two of the most important things to take away from this hearing. One, which is, I'm not going to say a new statement, but but more than just clarification. And then the other is a really important reminder. Can we play the first one, which is uh, Mueller being asked about the uh, DOJ policy? Was there sufficient evidence to convict President Trump or anyone else with obstruction of justice? We did not make that calculation. How could you not have made the calculation? The OLC opinion, the OLC opinion, Office of Legal Counsel, indicates that we cannot indict a sitting president. So one of the tools that a prosecutor would use is not there. Uh, Could you charge the president with a crime after he left office? Yes. You believe that he committed, you could charge the president of the United States with obstruction of justice after he left office? Yes, but the OLC opinion opinion says that uh, the prosecutor, while he cannot bring a charge against the sitting president, nonetheless, it can continue the investigation to see if there are any uh, other uh, persons who might be drawn into the conspiracy. So to be clear, what he said was the OLC opinion is the reason why could not reach a conclusion, could not offer an indictment, not bring an indictment against the president. Let's play the second clip. We got this question, Deborah. I'm not going to have time to get to it because we're wrapping the show. But Deborah, who's a Trump supporter, she's in favor of Trump. Why is he getting so dogged? A question that I have, uh, and that would have been my response to you live. And apologies, Deborah, they won't be able to take time for your call. But I still understand your question, and I'll attempt to answer it. And I'll answer sort of the question with a couple questions, which is why didn't Trump testify? Let's at least get this clip and then I'll respond to it. Did any senior White House official refuse a request to be interviewed by you and your team? The key I don't question believe so. 20 seconds, 26 well, seconds take, in. Let me take that back. 
I, I would have to look at it, but I'm not certain that that was the case. Did the president refuse the request to be interviewed by you and your team? Yes. 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 And is it true that you tried for more than a year to secure an interview with the president? Yes. Yes, tried more than a year. And is it true that you and your team advised the president's lawyer that, quote, an interview with the president is vital to our investigation? Close yes. quote. Interview was yes. vital. And is it true that you also, sta quote, stated that it is in the interest of the presidency and the public for an interview to take place? Close quote. Yes. To the public interest to have but that interview. But the president still refused to sit for an interview by you or your team? True. But the president refused. True. And did you also ask him to provide written answers to questions on the 10 possible episodes of obstruction of justice we, we crimes involving him? Yes. So my response is why the president didn't sit down for an interview. And if you think that that's sort of the normal thing, remember Bill Clinton did sit for a deposition in the Paula Jones case, that Hillary Clinton did sit for the better part of a day for the Benghazi hearing, whether or not you think that was a kangaroo court or not. Trump would not sit for an interview. Trump would not respond to questions. And if your thought is, oh, well, it was, it was so to avoid peer perjury, my follow-up question is, well, why would we think he would lie? Why would his lawyers think that he would lie? Why would, if we think that there was nothing bad that happened, wouldn't he sit for that interview? But I do believe in a presumption of innocence. But here's what I will offer. And I will acknowledge that I wish that Mueller had written his report differently. I wish he had flipped it a little bit. I wish he would have offered some different sentences using the same facts that are now publicly available in the Mueller report. I wish he would have started with obstruction of justice to say there was evidence that could be predicates for a crime of obstruction of justice. We are not pursuing that indictment because the Department of Justice policy bars us from bringing such an indictment. If people want to bring such a thing, they have to do it after he leaves office, or they have to use the route of impeachment. Second part, because perhaps some of those pieces, some of that lying behavior, some of that withholding of information, including the president not sitting for interview, we were unable to get all the evidence to reach a conclusion on whether or not there was coordination between the highest levels of the Trump campaign and Russian entities trying to investigate, trying to interfere with American elections. It didn't go down that way. But if you use the same facts and just flip it in its order, you can reach, roughly speaking, those conclusions. And it's hard for me to not to reach those conclusions. Tomorrow we'll talk more about that. Talk more about what we've learned from these hearings. We thank everybody for listening to those hearings, for engaging in democracy rather than just distraction, engaging in this hearing rather than just whatever top 40 hits are on some adjacent radio station. You've we appreciate you very to much. Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. We'll be right back tomorrow. This is Tom's show. I'm Jeff. Thank you so much. Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code PROGRAM.